presents a conversation. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. A dialogue. What are you prepared to do? An astute debate. Everything that's in the law. And a peek behind the curtain of politics. And then what are you prepared to do? I think Chicago is not only the center of the country, I think it's the center of the world. Don't tread on them. Where did this statement come from? This is the Sunday Spin. Your host is the Chicago Tribune's Rick Pearson. Good Sunday afternoon, everyone. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune, and welcome to this week's edition of the Sunday Spin for March the 8th, 2020. Welcome to our look at the world of politics and policy as we take you from City Hall to the State House and all the way on to the White House. So, as Mama says, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. So, Time to take a break, grab a beverage, and we'll get you prepared for the rest of the week. Well, hello, Roger Badish. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Pearson. How have you been? Well, you know, what a beautiful day today. Gorgeous day outside. I mean, yesterday wasn't bad. No. Uh, although I, I was I was out at the Bernie Sanders rally did, in Grand Did you Park. dress warm? I did. Good. Uh, although it was funny because it was nice in the sun. Oh, okay. But, of course, with political rallies... By the time Sanders spoke, mm-hmm. because he has, you have to have all of these other people speak first. Oh, sure, sure. The warm-up acts. Mm. <laughs> By the time he spoke, the wind had kicked up. Oh, and no. it was it was starting to get a little chilly out there. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, what, what otherwise was just a gorgeous day, it started, you know, it's getting later in the afternoon and temperatures start to come yeah down. you know i we, we have the same effect when we play late in the afternoon on the golf course uh, about four o'clock four thirty, the wind shifts and uh temperature drops about 10 15 degrees so i know yeah. the feeling and and of course yes and it, and that's great for the chipping uh, oh yeah oh sure game is yeah. uh, you know <laughs> That nine, iron, that nine iron or that wedge. Yeah, the hands don't completely wrap around the handle. <laughs> you know, just, I'll just kick it in. You and know? It, yeah, and it's when the when the wedge goes further than the golf ball right, does. You know, exactly. You know, there might be a problem. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of a golf day today. It's a. It was. I pass a golf course. There's one about four or five blocks from my house, and it was jam packed. I bet. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be out there during the week. I'm sure. I'm once the rain pushes through uh, uh, Monday and. Then after Tuesday, it'll uh, clear up and warm up, and I'll be out there during the week. So. Well, you let the greens soften up a little bit. Well, right? Well, the way for my your, golf the way is, you're, for your target shooting, the there, way the way know? my golf game goes, the greens could be <laughs> any condition they want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> But a busy week in politics, especially oh. government uh, locally. Uh, you've got a full boat going on there. We've got the coronavirus. We've got the state uh, income tax debate. You've got the um, uh, marijuana sales. You've got, a, my goodness, we're a busy state. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, of course, we have everything leading up to uh, a week from Tuesday, yeah. which is not just St. Patrick's Day, but it's Election Day. How did that happen? It's happened before. Oh, okay. I, I mean, it's it, it, it has worked out that way before. I remember when I was working in Springfield and I was coming back to Chicago to cover, uh, help cover election night mm-hmm. and checked in at the hotel. And, of course, there's the happy greeter behind the desk that says, oh, you're here for St. Patrick's Day. Oh. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm here to work. I'm not uh, I'm not like the rest of everybody that's going to be uh, out having a lot of fun yeah. on, on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, but, you know, I think the thing to watch, I believe the city parade is on Saturday. Yes, the downtown parade Saturday, Southside parade Sunday, 
So we'll get all that out of the way. Yeah, but I'd keep an eye on who's who's in that front row on Saturday. That's right. Because, you know, that's the great – it almost looks like a hockey game at times mm-hmm. with people trying to elbow each other uh, to get in the front of the and, line. And instead of hockey sticks, they have shillelaghs. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> A good, good point. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I. So I guess I know. I'll know better than really to get anywhere near downtown Saturday if I can help it. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, Sunday, um, I'll be coming into work with you, so it should be a, a easy trip. In. It should be. It should be okay. But that's all right. We a lot is going to be happening between now and then. I don't want to kind of jump the gun here. No, and uh, uh, just uh, as a future programming note, uh, okay. next Sunday we're uh, at, we're going to have Marie Newman, one of the candidates uh, in the Democratic primary in the 3rd Congressional District, with uh, running against Bill Lipinski. Today, at, after 5.30, we'll have Rush Darwish, who is one of the three candidates in that race, and we'll be talking to him. But after uh, after six o'clock next mm-hmm. week we're going to have an hour-long uh kind of let's go through the ballot uh, with my good friends uh brian bernadoni uh and bob sector and oh, we're going to go great. up and down the ballot and uh, take calls and try to answer questions if anybody's mm-hmm. got any questions about uh, elections and balloting and that kind of thing and uh yeah you know early as you said in the news kit early right. voting's going on mm-hmm. uh it, i'd take advantage of it really. in fact the early voting was open today yeah uh so you know definitely there's i think it's at uh park districts uh park buildings around the city so there's more than one location. If you're thinking, well, I can't get down to downtown. Right, the, you, the you can go super polling the site that they have downtown. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but I, I truly, I'd, I'd recommend everybody take advantage of that because it's it's just the way to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Roger, we'll be talking to you later. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Sunday Spin on WGN. This is The Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Good Sunday afternoon. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson here in the WGN Skyline studio on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday afternoon. Reminder, Roger is here to keep us up to date on all the news. Producer Casera is here to field your phone calls. We're at 312-981-7200. You can text us at that number, 312-981-7200. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Sunday Spin. We're also on Twitter at symbol Sunday Spin. And engineer Krista is here to push all of my buttons. Remember, you can find all of our shows on WGNRadio.com. You can also get our podcasts at iTunes by searching for my name, Rick Pearson. Uh, as I said, up ahead on the show, after Roger gives us a spin through the headlines around 5.30, we'll speak to Rush Darwish. He is one of the three candidates competing in the, one of the three challengers competing against uh Democratic Representative uh, Dan Lipinski in the 3rd Congressional District. We'll speak to uh, Mr. Darwish about his candidacy and what really is the ideology of that Congressional District. We've had uh, Representative Lipinski on previously on the show. Next week we'll speak to Marie Newman in that contest. 
time to take a spin through uh, the, the week in national politics. And actually, we start with, the, as I mentioned, Bernie Sanders being in Chicago yesterday for a Grant Park rally. He displayed a new sense of urgency after being upended for the frontrunner status by Joe Biden. This morning, Sanders announced that Reverend Jesse Jackson has endorsed him. And Sanders is looking for African-American support to counter Biden. Sanders also appeared on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos, where he contended that it was the Democratic establishment that forced Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg out of the race. One of the things that I was kind of not surprised by is the power of the establishment to force uh, Amy Klobuchar who had worked so hard, Pete Buttigieg, who, you know, really worked extremely hard as well, out of the race. What was very clear from the media narrative and what the establishment uh, wanted was to make sure that people coalesced around Biden and uh, tried to defeat me. So that's not surprising. Uh, we are taking on, George, as I think everybody knows, the establishment. We're taking on the corporate establishment. Uh, we're taking on the political establishment. And uh, what you are seeing now just in the last few weeks is Wall Street, uh, the healthcare industry, the billionaire class putting a lot of money into Joe's campaign. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know what? I think we're going to win this thing. That's Bernie Sanders on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos this morning. Uh, I'd be very curious to hear what Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar and former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg say about it being the establishment that forced them out of the race. Naturally, we all know that Bernie Sanders is kind of the insurgent candidate, but to kind of create... A, a conspiracy that was the establishment that forced those two out of the race. I mean, let's face it, these people have been around politics. Nobody's going to tell Amy Klobuchar to get out of the race. The fact of the matter was, they knew they weren't going to do well on Super Tuesday. They weren't going to be able to have the resources, financial resources, to compete beyond Super Tuesday. Uh, but we now have Bernie Sanders' view of, of what happened. Obviously, Super Tuesday proved to be a super night for former Vice President Joe Biden's campaign. Victories even in unexpected states like Massachusetts and Texas propelled him into that frontrunner status, helped, of course, by Buttigieg and Klobuchar dropping out. Uh, here's Joe Biden at his victory celebration. And that's why, that's why I was so proud, so incredibly proud to have Mayor Pete's endorsement as well. There's a man of character, intellect, and courage. And by the way, I was proud to be endorsed by Jim Clyburn. Man, he is something else. Look, our campaign reflects the diversity of this party and this nation. And that's how it should be. Because we need to bring everybody along. Everybody. We want a nominee who will beat Donald Trump. But also... Also, keep Nancy Pelosi the Speaker of the House. Win back the United States Senate. If that's what you want, join us. And if you want a nominee who's a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Obama-Biden Democrat, join us. That's Joe Biden from last Tuesday, the Super Tuesday victories in 10 of the 14 states that were up for grabs. Now we have a two-man race, Tulsi Gabbard aside, and I mean pretty much far aside. So it's Biden and Bernie Sanders, Biden and Bernie for the Democratic nomination. 
This after Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren came to the conclusion as well that she couldn't win. Still, she's not offering up an endorsement of either candidate. Well, let's take a deep breath and spend a little time on that. We don't have to decide that this minute. And I wonder what your message would be to the women and girls who feel like we're left with two white men to decide between. I know. One of the hardest parts of this is all those picky promises and all those little girls who are going to have to wait four more years. Um, That's going to be hard. That's Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. So... With Biden the Democratic frontrunner, President Trump and Republicans are now setting their sights on him. For example, here's House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy saying that House Republicans are ramping up a push for investigating Biden and his son's work in the Ukraine. Yes, that story is back. But McCarthy insists it's not politics. Now, this has nothing to do about politics. I think it happens to do about honesty, fairness, and the rule of law. I'm shocked that that question should be asked probably to the speaker. Why in all the times that they spent only investigating in their majority, why didn't they investigate that? The American public in the own polling said they wanted that investigated almost two times to three times more than an impeachment investigation. They have the majority, but they, they want to look the other way when it comes to somebody of their own party. Then now that becomes a question of politics. If you're going to look the, your own way just because that happens to be someone of your own party, will you not stand up for the rule of law? It'll be interesting to see why has Nadler not held a hearing on it? Why has Adam Schiff holds a hearing on everything but Intel? But I would assume this would fall into the Intel reign as well because it's a foreign country. Um, and then oversight itself. There are so many committees that that's all they spent their time on. Why couldn't they find time for this? That's House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. Now, Democrats have long complained about President Trump's tone and have warned themselves and each other not to go down that path. But that's what Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer did at a rally outside the Supreme Court. The court was considering a challenge that could possibly lead to turning over Roe v. Wade. Here's Chuck Schumer. I want to tell you, Gorsuch... I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. The bottom line is very simple. We will stand with the American people. We will stand with American women. We will tell President Trump and Senate Republicans who have stacked the court with right-wing ideologues that you're going to be gone in November and you will never be able to do what you're trying to do now ever, ever again. So that was Chuck Schumer outside the Supreme Court at a rally telling two justices by name, you'll never know what hit you. Schumer later took to the Senate floor and said he regretted his remarks, but he didn't really offer an apology. I will continue to fight for the women of America. Now, I should not have used the words I used yesterday. They didn't come out the way I intended to. My point was that there would be political consequences, political consequences, for President Trump and Senate Republicans if the Supreme Court 
with the newly confirmed justices stripped away a woman's right to choose. Of course I didn't intend to, to, to suggest anything other than political and public opinion consequences for the Supreme Court, and it is a gross distortion to imply otherwise. I'm from Brooklyn. We speak in strong language. I shouldn't have used the words I did, but in no way was I making a threat. I never, never would do such a thing. And Leader McConnell knows that. And Republicans who are busy manufacturing outrage over these comments know that too. That's Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, a bit chastened after criticism for his outspoken comments out in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Up ahead on your Sunday spin, after we get a spin through the headlines after 5.30, we'll be speaking to Rush Darwish. He is one of the challengers to Congressman Dan Lipinski, the eight-term congressman from the southwest side and southwest suburbs. That's all coming up ahead. You're listening to the Sunday Spin on WGN. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And I'm joined here in studio this evening by Rush Darwish, who is one of the candidates for the Democratic nomination in the Southwest Side, Southwest Suburban, Suburban uh, 3rd Congressional District. Mr. Darwish, thank you so much for joining me this Rick, morning. Rick, thanks for having me on. Beautiful studio. What a nice view. It, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll do the color commentary. Right? Sure. Yes. And there's the Ferris <laughs> wheel with Davey Pier. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for coming in and taking the time. I know it's busy time as we yeah. get closer to Election Day. Um, I think one of the things I want is is for you to introduce yourself, because unlike two years ago, where it was basically, uh, you know, a two person race, now it's a, a technically a four person race. But how do you fit into this picture and, and what got you motivated to take on this run? A couple reasons. Two years ago, when I watched both candidates, uh, the incumbent Dan Lipinski and Marie Newman, I already saw that uh, I don't believe that both of these individuals truly can represent the district. I felt that they were both extreme. I looked at Rep Lipinski as somebody historically that claims he's a Democrat, but the reality is he tends to be more of a Republican on so many issues that doesn't align with most of the district. But on the other hand, uh, Marie Newman came in and basically did every everything in her power to be the complete polar opposite, to be the other extreme, and that's why I call him the extreme team. And I think at the end of the day in politics, when it comes to uh, individuals who try and be so far to each side, what ends up happening is they forget about me and they forget about the middle class. So that's my approach as to why I'm running. I mean, I'm a small business owner. Uh, I'm not a politician. I'm just upset of how government works. I'm upset at Donald Trump. I'm upset, upset at people who want to run for office or they're currently in office and they truly don't work for everyday people. They take money from special interest groups and PACs. And I believe that it's my calling to step up and run because I believe I'm the best person for the job. What is the ideology, in your view, of the third congressional district? And has it shifted? Shifted a little bit, absolutely. I mean, it's complicated, to be honest with you, Rick. I mean, you have uh, a large Latino community that's growing, a large Arab-American community that's growing. One of the largest in the United States. And the largest Palestinian community in the country is in Illinois' 3rd District. So it is shifting. You still have a strong Catholic sector. 
So you have different pockets where you can't really say it's truly progressive. Sure, there's some progressive folks. Um, yes, there's people, of course, that are uh, more moderate or a, a strong Catholic and so on and so forth. I mean, kind so, of what I would view what used to be called Reagan Democrats. Uh, that's exactly right. So the fact is this. When I say you need someone that is going to work for everyone, you got to be that person. And there's no doubt my opponents, and this is a fact, they don't work for everyone. They work only for a certain sector. If you're a progressive way to the left, you're going to go with Marie. If you are more to the right and you're more towards on the Republican side, you know what? You're going to like, you're going to like Dan Lipinski. But what about everyone else? And I'm running for everyone else, and so, there's a lot of them out there. So, so what is that middle? I mean, what what does that middle believe? Yeah, I believe that, number one, they want honesty, they want transparency, and they want someone who really speaks to them on a level that is from the middle class, somebody that understands them. And when it comes to health care, I don't believe that uh, they all want Medicare for all, or they say, we don't want Medicare for all. I believe you need to have a system where both options are available. You know, I believe in Medicare for all who want it or Medicare for America, which means if you like your insurance that you currently have, you should be able to keep it. That's the American way. But if you don't have access to insurance, you should have the option where there's a government, a government option that's available to you. So this is, again, my policies kind of line in the middle, and I believe that most people want that. And that's, again, why I'm stepping up to become the next congressman of Illinois' 3rd District. I've been trying to ask people running for Congress about uh, an, the issue of uh, state and local tax deductions, because I thought that that actually was a significant and perhaps not stated factor in the flipping of those two suburban districts, Sean Caston and Peter Roskam in particular, because Roskam was head of the Tax Policy Writing Committee. And I look at that district out in western dupage and you know property taxes are huge now granted everybody's property taxes are huge and everybody hates them and and you're running for congress so you don't really have any effect on property tax except i'm just wondering about shouldn't there be an effort because this was done mainly to hurt states with high property taxes that also tend to lean democratic yeah we are ranked i believe 48th in the nation when it comes to receiving federal dollars. That's a big problem. That's a huge dollar. And you can't just put it on the 3rd District. The state of Illinois needs to step up and be more active and find pathways to receive more federal dollars and put it into more education uh, issues, put it more into our roads, transportation, and infrastructure. And I think that's a path where if we can bring in more federal dollars, that could ultimately lead to lower taxes. Now, this is what we need to fight for. Uh, Rep Lipinski clearly doesn't fight enough because, again, we are way at the bottom when it comes to this issue. And this is something I hope to work with all the Democrats, uh, and by the way, not just the Democrats, Republicans as well, as to how we can collectively bring in federal dollars and some way create a path to lower uh, property tax. But I'll be the first to say, uh, when I step up and run, you got to be honest with everyone and say, this is not easy. 
but you have to try, and it has to be a top priority. For me, it will be a top priority. At the recent forum at Channel 11, had and that'll be airing on Tuesday at 7 o'clock, but there was a question about Lipinski and, of course, his father and, and the longstanding they had on the transportation, House Transportation Committee, and obviously a very transportation-intensive district, the 3rd District, and it's about, well, wouldn't there be a loss of clout if he lost? What's your response to that? Absolutely not. You know, you have to go in and immediately have a plan in place as to what you need to want changed, uh, what you want to see changed in the third district. I mean, we have bridges that need to be fixed. We have to build overpasses. And more importantly, what people want in the district, they want more options to get around. So we have to have uh, more train uh, available availability for people who want to get to different jobs across Chicagoland area. We need to have an L line. We need to have the ability to go have a, a train line across Cicero Avenue. The fact is this. We need more options. We need someone that's going to come up with more ideas and we have to push for it. And right now, I think uh, Rep Lipinski, and with all due respect to his father, I think they're more of the status quo. So we have to have uh, people who come in and bring more options to the table. And that's why we really need change in Washington, D.C. We need people who have a voice, who understand that, look, we need everyday people who can connect with the everyday people that are in the district. And that's me, and that's one of the things I'm going to advocate for. We're speaking with Rush Darwish. He is a candidate for the Democratic nomination in the 3rd Congressional District. Mr. Darwish from Palos Hills, I believe. That's right. I want to make sure we give the shout-out. to. Thank you. Uh, they, we appreciate it. We really do. <laughs> Mayor Bennett is a happy guy right now. <laughs> Very good. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson here in the WGN Skyline studio, joined by Rush Darwish, one of the Democratic candidates for the nomination for Congress in the 3rd Congressional District on the southwest side in the southwest suburbs. Uh, going back to introducing yourself, who are you? Where, did, where do you come from? Yeah, well, I was uh, following your footsteps for a while in the world of journalism. For about 10 years. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my wife said that as well, because after we had a kid and we saw the check that was coming in, uh, we made a decision to come back here to Chicago after spending uh, about six years in Texas. Uh, I started my own small business. It's a photography video business. And at the same time, uh, I became a a community activist. Uh, The southwest suburbs uh, holds a very large Arab-American Muslim community, as you mentioned. It's a disenfranchised community. And I've been working hard to try and get them in the political process. And for me, this was a next natural step because uh, it's not just the southwest suburbs where you have people who don't feel like they're included. It's not just an Arab thing. It's a lot of people who, do, who are not registered to vote, and they're not registered, they're not engaged because they think government is a joke, they think politicians are corrupted, and that's why I decided to take this step. I feel that the only way people are going to resonate with politicians is we must show them by example that uh, I am from the middle class. I don't take PAC money. I don't take special interest money. I'm running because I want to help people. And I am a humanitarian. I've raised uh, well over a million dollars for various charities uh, to raise money for kids overseas uh, in war-stricken countries, receive free access to medical care. This is important to me. And so when we talk about medical, uh, when we talk about health care, This is an issue that's near and dear to me because I see children who are struggling, and I see people here in America that are struggling with their health care, and we have to find a way to fix it. What about immigration? 
I mean, it's become such a political football. And when you think, you know, it was only a few years ago at the City Club of Chicago, you had Paul Ryan and Chewy Garcia uh, and and Luis Gutierrez, I Mm -hmm. believe, talking about comprehensive immigration reform. You had the Gang of 13, uh, or the Gang of 8, rather, in 2013, that you know had a bipartisan package uh you had lindsey graham as an outspoken supporter of comprehensive immigration reform who is now an outspoken supporter of of president trump is is it possible i mean what what are your views uh, on what needs to be done but is it possible for this to even be an issue that can be addressed by in this political climate yeah it's complicated and it can be solved, but we have a major hurdle that we all have to overcome. It can't be solved just by Democrats. It can't be solved just by Republicans. This is the one issue. Actually, it's not. It's one of the main issues where we have to collectively work together, and we have to identify who is coming into this country. And when a family comes in, a mom, dad, their two kids, they step into American soil. Um, we have to distinguish the families that are coming in and really see uh, this country as the American dream. My parents came to this country in 1967 because this was a land of opportunity. So we have to distinguish those who are coming to this country uh, and want to work and want to succeed and want to provide for their kids for a better life versus the people that are coming into our country that are selling drugs, that are trying to do wrong. And we have to make sure that they do not enter our country. So this to me is a starting point and we have to take a look at this as Americans, but also as humanitarians. Uh, people are coming into this country, Rick, not because, you know, life is so good or where they're coming from. I mean, these are war-stricken, uh, drug-infested, very violent situations that people are in, and they're coming here for a better life. And that's what makes America great. So we have to create a pathway for the people that want to work, that want to have a better opportunity. And I think if we have that type of approach, I think that's when we could have real immigration reform. However, it's too political right now. And I think too many people uh, just hate the idea of somebody coming into our country, but they don't want to examine why they're coming and why can't we create a pathway for those that want to make America really great. What about those that are already here that are, are not documented? Yeah, My belief is if you have been in this country and you are working, you have not committed any crimes or violent crimes, uh, you should have an opportunity and there should be a pathway where you should become a citizen. It's that simple. I mean, uh, I've met families uh, through this campaign, and they are great people, and they are living in fear every day. It shouldn't have to be that way. And they have kids that are in this country as well, and they're going through the school system. Uh, We have to find a way to make it better for them, and we shouldn't punish them. Should ICE be eliminated? Uh, that's That's a tough question, Rick. Should they be eliminated? I think they should be minimized. I mean, you can't, I don't know if you can completely just eliminate ICE. I don't know if that solves the issue. The issue is having real immigration reform. And if you really have a real immigration system that everyone understands, because that's where the other problem is, we don't really have an immigration system and a policy that everybody understands. It's very complicated. So until we have that, then we can see where ICE has a role in this country. And I think if we all understand it, then... I think ICE will be fine. Well, you kind of touched on one of the problems with uh, our, our politics today is that every everybody tends to look at things in a binary way. Uh, I mean, look at Medicare for All, for example. Uh, it's either single-payer everything or nothing, um, where things are just much more nuanced. And I will tell you right now, Rick, 
there's an issue when we talk about our health. Why? Why does it have to be a Democrat or a Republican issue? It's a shame. This is our health. This should be the one issue where Republicans and Democrats should sit and say what works best and hash it out. And I know it's not easy. It's, it's complicated. But let's not make this about political victories. Let's think about what's best for people's health. And if you really have that in mind and that's it, and you don't put politics into it, then we're going to get things done and we'll get it done quickly. But it doesn't work like that because if a Democrat or Republican come up with the right idea that works for everyone, well, guess what? The other side wants to attack and punish for fear of losing. And that's a shame. Well, maybe given the fact that we have the two Democratic presidential contenders in their 70s, who have Donald Trump in their 70s, maybe health care <laughs> should be a yeah. bit more of a concern and, and be addressed. It needs to be addressed. And in my race, um, I believe that in our messaging, when we go door to door, people want to have a choice. They do support Medicare for all. It should be available. But at the same time, if you work for the union, if you're a teacher, or the company that you work for has good insurance that you like, how could you tell them that they can't keep their insurance? This is insane. It's un-American. So you have to have an option that works for everyone, where everyone is covered. So if you truly believe in a system where everyone is covered, you have to have a Medicare for All option available to them. But at the same time, you should be able to keep the insurance that you're happy with. In a related issue, uh, abortion has has been always a significant issue. And I know you've said that, you know, there's too much focus on that in this race. What about jobs? What about the economy? That kind of thing. But I, I, I want you to explain your position on abortion. Obviously, uh, Representative Lipinski is uh, adamantly opposed and actually even signed a uh, uh, an amicus brief to the Supreme Court, along with, I believe, most of the Republicans in the House, uh, urging the court to accept the Louisiana case that some feel could lead to overturning Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I believe that the reason why I'm pro-choice is because you have that choice to make as a, to do what's best for you and your body. I'm a guy. I'm going to just spell it out. And at the end of the day, as a man, uh, I have the utmost respect for women to make that incredibly tough decision. And I, I do believe that uh, Rep Lipinski's on the wrong side of the aisle. He can believe that. That's fine. But the problem is he, he goes around and says, well, one out of three Democrats are pro-life. What about the other 66%? So you're basically going against the majority of your party. And that's wrong. And that's not the only issue. There's a lot of issues where Rep Lipinski uh, doesn't doesn't work with his party. He's more on the Republican side, and that's wrong. Issues such as? Oh, my gosh. Immigration. He first voted against streamers. Uh, When it comes to the LGBT community, he doesn't doesn't interact with them, doesn't support the idea that they should have equal rights, doesn't doesn't interact with them. See, it's not just about laws. It's not about what you vote for. It's the work you do within those communities. And even as a Palestinian-American, he's never voted in favor of Palestinian rights. Never. So that's a problem. So that means he does not resonate with the diversity of our district. Now, uh, back to what you mentioned about the issue of uh, abortion and how it's such a big issue. Now, I know it's a sensitive topic. Sorry, but very brief. Yeah, it's, it's a very sensitive topic, but I will say this. I believe that both my opponents do have their values, but I also know that it's so political that they use it in order to make money because both of their PACs, are giving them hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to advertise on TV. So they have to keep that issue as a top priority issue 
just to win. So it's not because they care about the issue. It's because they want the money. And that's wrong. And that's why I'm the only one in this race that's taking zero money from special interest groups or PACs. And because you have to have values. That's Rush Darwish, Democratic candidate in the 3rd Congressional District. Thank you so much for joining me today. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. I want to thank all of you for listening today. I also want to thank my guest, Rush Darwish. He is one of the challengers to Democratic Representative Dan Lipinski in the state's third congressional district. That's on the southwest side and south suburbs. Uh, Next week, we will have another uh, candidate in that race. We'll have Marie Newman. She is the candidate who ran two years ago and came within um, a matter of a few thousand votes of of nearly upsetting uh, Lipinski in that race. Lipinski, who served for eight terms. Uh, It's uh, one of the races that people are looking at nationally. Next week, we'll have a full two-hour show. We'll be uh, going over, uh, besides talking to Marie Newman, we'll be going over over the races with my good friends Bob Sector and Brian Bernadoni. 